Good day. This is the spirit of the ship, HMS Torrent, speaking. I'm very proud to be here, to be the first ghost of an inanimate object to appear on this podcast. Thank you for watching the movie about me last week. It was quite sad when I sunk. I did not like it very much. It was quite painful. All those men were screaming and grabbing onto bits of me. I don't approve of that. Anyhow, this week you're going to watch a different movie. Why, it's 1960's Peeping Tom, which is a movie about a person who spies on other people and gets off on it. Which, as you know, for a battleship or a destroyer, is the most wonderful thing in the world. We spy on each other all the time. It's part of the job, you see. Anyways, this has been a ship. Goodbye. Wow, that's quite an occasion here, Jason. We got an actual ship to introduce the show. I think the afterlife is uh, getting kind of lazy, is really what I'm <laughs> seeing here. They're, they, they used to send us, we used to get Jimmy Stewart, we used to get Alec Guinness, we used to get these legends. Mm-hmm. They sent us the ghost of a, of a destroyer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wanted Richard Grieco, but he's not dead yet. And he's not British, is he? No, but yeah, that's not important. I mean, I, I suppose they don't always send us British people. Jimmy Stewart wasn't British. He owns a good pizza place, though. Jimmy Stewart? Richard Grieco. Oh... Greco Pizza. Yeah, absolutely. Greco Pizza Donaire. Famous in Nova Scotia and New Brunswick. Oh, but Jason, this is a podcast and it's called For Screen and Country. And on this podcast, we talk about movies on the British Film Institute Top 100 British Films of All Time list. And we are doing that again this week. As always, because what else would we do? We, this is all we have, Brendan. This is all we have. We're clinging to life with this yes. here. Guys, please throw us some pod coins. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we fill our pockets overflowing with pod coins. The but, world uh, is burning and this is what we're doing. <laughs> we're in the middle of a field. Everything else is engulfed in flames. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're going to do. We are going to talk about this week's, this week's movie is number 78 on the list. Ooh. It is Peeping Tom. We chose this movie specifically because it's pretty close to Halloween. Yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, but before we talk about Peeping Tom, we have to read some comments from last week's film in which we serve. You got served. It's good to have you back for the comments section. I roasted you a little bit last week. Uh-huh. I have yet to hear that, Brendan. Uh... <laughs> Are you Hal? (laughs) (laughs) I've been replaced by an AI, Brendan. Oh, no. I mean, no. Oh, no. Daniel Day-Lewis again. (laughs) You got me. That's all I have now. I got to leave. Goodbye. God damn you, Bill the Butcher. (laughs) The only thing you've butchered is our friendship. Was that Daniel Day-Lewis that just walked out the door? I just came in with... Yeah, Danielle Day-Lewis, the sister. Oh, but which was also Daniel Day Lewis. I never got was, that giving giving siblings like almost the exact same name except like a gender swapped version. That just seems like a, a recipe for disaster at school. Well, no, Jason, it was him though. He played his sister. Oh, it was a performance of a lifetime. He really is the greatest. In which we serve comments about this film. Oh yeah, sure. Let's read some comments. Let's let's read a. Co- We're gonna start off from our favorite commenter. Let's just not beat around the bush. She's Number our one. favorite. Top commenter. Number one with a bullet. <laughs> Today on the top ten. <laughs> Sharon Horwat says, I haven't seen this Noel Coward movie. In brackets. I know. I know. But I do think something funny about him is how often his plays are adapted over and over again. Just look at his writing credits on IMDb. There are multiple examples of someone adapting one of his plays into a TV movie one year and then adapting it again maybe two years later. Speaking of which, apparently there's a new version of Blythe Spirit coming out next year. Hmm. I've never heard of it. I apologize, it sound It sounds British. Well, I mean, she did say Noel Coward. Yeah. 
who's also extremely British. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. Noel Coward the new Shakespeare? I mean, I don't think there's anything new about it. I mean, it, certainly uh, relative to Shakespeare, though. We, we could say he's the modern Shakespeare. Well, then what would you call uh, the film Pootie Tang? Well, I would call that the modern uh, sweet, sweet, badass so, bad song. Bad. That's an insult. That movie is terrible. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> but but it was just as important, wasn't it? Sure. For for Chris Rock, anyways. Sweet, sweet, badass song no, for Chris no, Rock? No, no, Pootie Tang. He was in Pootie Tang, right? Or am I thinking of CB4? No, Chris Rock was in uh, Pootie Tang. He was. He's had like, he played like four roles. Oh, okay. All right, so what's, what's next, uh, Jason? Next up, one Robert James Cole writes in, and Robert says... RJC! RJC! I love the poster. <laughs> I love the poster, but I am wondering about the big red circle in the corner. Not suitable for general exhibition. I know rating system didn't exactly exist at the time. They could only say that a movie was suitable for the family or not, or in the case of the U.S., whether or not you could see the movie, period, because it might feature a woman in her underwear or something similarly salacious. Does that mean... Uh, does that warning in the corner mean they couldn't show it at all times of the day or in certain theaters, or is it just a, we don't recommend bringing the kids to this one? I think I've, I veer towards the latter. I think it's, yes, because it's a, it's a, certainly for the middle of the war, it is a pretty harrowing portrait of what it's like to be mm-hmm. a soldier. So yeah, certainly it could have I feel been like not it wasn't, appropriate for I feel kids. Like, I feel like it wasn't enforced though. Yeah. Like I feel like it's just like, it's like a PG rating in Canada. It's yeah. like, it just, it, use caution. Yeah, exactly. Or, or it was like, uh, don't show this to Germans. Which, no, yeah, that's that. That was the, well. There's actually a warning on there that says that this on the movie's team. not for German. If you are German, please leave. This movie is rated NFG, not for Germans. <laughs> N- NFK, not for Krauts. Oh. <laughs> oh well, they they meant business back there, back then. <laughs> they did absolutely. Uh, Michael Boyce says it's interesting. Not as good as the other Lean Coward collaboration. Brief encounter. Agreed. Um, Celia Johnson is amazing. Also agreed. Yes. What I like about the wartime British films, as opposed to post-war films about the war, is how they focus on a cross-section of classes working together. The post-war films make it seem as if the upper class saved the day. Exactly, because that shit was needed during the war to get the war fought. They knew they needed the unity of the classes, but after the war, it was very easy to forget those contributions, and we get to focus on prim officers and... Biggles and oh yes, Jolly Ho and Boo Hulu and yes, we'll take Jerry down. Oh yes, yes. Uh, Gary Oldman did it all. Absolutely. See <laughs> Churchill or whatever the movie they called, The Darkest Hour, with That's one of right. the worst scenes in cinema history and one uh, of the most decent movies. It must be. It, it must be now. This is. I'm going to go off on a rant here. I'm sure. going to go off on a rant here. Okay, babe, tell The me. Darkest Hour. Okay, <laughs> babe. No, it's like it's like a pretty solid movie, but I don't know if I've said it on this podcast. Has one of the worst scenes I've ever seen is when he's Winston Churchill is traveling on a train and a bunch of passengers see him and start like he starts like talking to them about policy and like doing like a speech for them and they're like, "Get him, Mr. Churchill! It sounds great!" <laughs> like it's just such a stupid, stupid scene that it's like you know that didn't happen in history. It's, it's the equivalent of uh, it, it, rather it's, at least it sounds like the equivalent of in uh, the first Spider-Man film. When uh, uh, Spider-Man's swinging by and the guy on the bridge is like, hey, in New York, we help each other. Like, 
I'll give it. I'll give Spider Man one thing though. It, they didn't pretend. They didn't try to pretend that that really happened. <laughs> like this, good point. This yeah, movie no, was this like wasn't a documentary. Yeah, yeah, this happened. It's like the same thing. And then they can do something like that in the Mister Rogers movie where everybody sings to Fred Rogers, and I'm like, no, that probably happened. Like, you know what I mean? He was so beloved that I could see that happening. But you know what? Artistic license. You're allowed to take artistic license, but maybe but it's uh, a terrible scene. Maybe though. they should have used it in a better way. Mm-hmm. Perhaps they should have had him like skateboarding down the tube. Sure. That would Beating be- the Nazis in this war is radical, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I'm totally not a racist. <laughs> okay, what's next? An- another uh, another uh, of the great commenters, Adam Pellman, mm-hmm. writes in and Adam says, Dear Brendan. No, he doesn't. Oh. He actually just says, I like this film a lot. I found it very moving, and although it's propaganda, it still manages to feel sincere in its sentiments rather than cloying and trite. I tend to think of it in the same vein as Miss Miniver, which is less obviously propagandistic, but still tells a very intimate human story that is nevertheless meant to galvanize the viewer into supporting the war effort. David Lean directed several of these coward adaptations in the early and mid-40s, and I think they're all pretty wonderful, if I'm being honest. I've always preferred Lean's smaller-scale films to his later epics, though, so maybe I'm biased. I'd say you are, but that's okay. I'm glad we've watched these. Like, like having been only really familiar with his epics, uh, it is really cool to see these smaller, more intimate movies, and they're just of the same quality as, yeah. as Lawrence of Arabia with its cast of thousands. Yeah, know? like, I, honestly, I don't even know if I could compare could compare like the you know the di- different kinds of films he made i will say that brief encounter was easily the most surprising movie yes, on this whole list absolutely i mean I, I mean you know you had it at what number two or th- number two number two yeah so i mean you, it had to be at least you know watchable it had to be pretty good yeah you'd think <laughs> but uh yeah no in that movie Sword right up mm-hmm. my li- my personal list, and I know your personal list as well. Well, because I'm not the sort. I mean, we probably discussed it already, but like I'm just not the sort of person for typically for romantic movies. Like that's never really been my bag. It's never been a thing that I've certainly been interested in seeking out. But then when I see one that is good like that, it's like oh shit, that's right. There's a reason why people like these sorts of movies. And I mean, modern romance on this list has been good too, like Four Weddings and a Funeral. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, educating Rita. Well, yeah, the best film we watched so far, The English Patient. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so much romance. And sand. Oh, it's coarse. It's I don't like coarse. it. It's, mm. Last comment, Jason, is from Brian Borkowski. Does he make a Star Wars reference? No, I'm sorry. Okay, well, Brian says. What does Brian say? Brian says, thanks for setting me up. <laughs> <laughs> <Set> punchline. <laughs> that's why That's why we're a team, Brendan. Uh, Brian says, so I have, I have had no exposure to this side of Coward's work, and so when I saw the poster, I was expecting a work of satire. Uh, so I'm scanning the poster looking for a saucy pun or dig and find out it's completely serious. I'm fascinated now. Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it, that's reasonable to understand if you know the character of Noel Coward, the public figure of Noel Coward, you know, this this impish quality that he had. I can see why you would assume that he had something satirical to say. And I don't know enough of his body of work to know how much satire he's done. I'm sure he has. Oh, yeah. I mean, but, lots uh, of his plays. But I, I, don't, I don't watch a lot of plays is what I'm saying. Brief Encounter was a laugh riot. Oh, yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> Jason, we come up to your favorite part of this uh, little segment mm. here. We are comparing this movie, which is number 92 on the BFI Top 100. Very, very low, I would say. Um, to number 92 on the AFI Top 100, which is another movie that I feel is way too low. And that movie is the Martin Scorsese film, Goodfellas. Mm. Yeah. I like I like when we serve. It's a good movie, but mm-hmm. Goodfellas is a is a stone cold you classic. Like it. You like it so much, you didn't even get the title right. <laughs> In which we serve. Yeah. In which we serve. When we serve. I like when we, we serve. serve. You got no served. coward serves a guy. 
You got As served. As often did. Um, Bow Wow should be in the remake. Absolutely. In which we serve. Is it perfectly fine? <laughs> He's not even in You Got Served. What am I talking about? <laughs> I don't know. My, my Bow Wow filmography has slipped. Was he in Like Mike? Was that the one yeah, he was in? Yeah, that's the one. Okay. Where he had him and Lip Nicky. Shoes that made him play basketball like Michael right. Jordan. Right. Um, yeah, so yes, this is a good movie, but it is no Goodfellas. Goodfellas is one of the quintessential gangster movies. I mean, it's up there with Godfather, in my mind. Yeah, up there with Godfather, Casino, uh, casino Mobsters. Mm. Uh. <laughs> mafia, exclamation point. Yeah, Jane Austen's Mafia. Yeah, Jane Austen's Mafia, that's it. Yeah, come on, give her credit for something she had nothing to do with. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm, obviously, yeah, I gotta go with Goodfellas. It's, it's a classic. It's a Martin Scorsese classic, and it's crazy to me that that's only 92 on the AFI Top 100. Like, that's... A, Bonkers to me. All my life, I wanted to be an officer in the Royal Navy. Listen, Raging Bull. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, Raging Bull is a great movie, but I don't think Raging Bull should be in the top ten while Goodfellas is in the bottom ten. I'm just saying. Hot take. Hot take from Brendan. Uh, but that's uh, but that's it. So we are going to talk about this week's movie, Baping Dom. Oh, cool. Take it away. That's right, folks. Peeping Tom. Peeping Tom. This, Brendan, is a mighty, mighty movie. Okay. And because this is such a mighty movie, yes. we have had to call in reinforcements. Oh, no, I told them to stay home. Oh. But well, do you have any backups? Oh, well, I mean, we could call Stephen Izzy. Okay, cool. Stephen Izzy, you guys there? Hey, everybody. Hey. hey. Oh, it's a good thing you were waiting by the phone. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm so excited to be on the Bear Film Institute podcast. I love bear movies. I love movies with like grizzly bears, black bears, just like big hairy men, all of the bears. Uh, I've uh, I've got some bad news. (laughs) Oh, is this the other BFI podcast I've been hearing about? This is the British Film Institute. We're pretty close. Have we have we had any films that specifically have featured bears, Brendan? No, because Arnold Schwarzenegger wouldn't do an accent. Oh, wait, no, we did Hercules Paddington, in New York. but that wasn't on the list. Paddington, but... we did do Paddington too. Yeah. That was the one bear movie we did. <laughs> so you guys haven't had any Sean Connery movies? No. <laughs> well, I mean, true enough. Yes. Oh well, I guess technically we yeah. did Doctor No and Goldfinger. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. <laughs> when he when he was at his swarthiest. <laughs> Oh, but yeah, Stephen Izzy from Everything I Learned from Movies. Welcome once again. Thank you for having oh, us, and this time so for much. a legit movie. <laughs> not seven movies? Yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Not wait, nine wait. hours of Dr. Zhivago and... Uh, yeah, that was like seven I mean, movies. I mean, worth. Wicker Man's legit. I'll, I'll, I'll give Look, it that. Look, like we say, Dr. Zhivago was a long time ago. We even just pretend that didn't happen, but Wicker Man was last year, was it not? And that was, and we've established this as our new tradition, the second annual 
British <laughs> horror movie. Wow, you, you are adept at coming up with names. <laughs> Second annual British horror movie, period. <laughs> the end. No further questions. We'll call it O-L-O-Z, eh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got a scary costume, do you? <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, we're talking about Peeping Tom. And Steve, you actually, I actually asked you uh, if there was a movie on this list that we had not covered yet that you particularly be interested in. And this is the first one that you told me. So... I mean, tell me about it. What you, you so you must have seen this movie before, obviously. Oh, I I actually think I told you back when you first started this podcast, like, hey, when you guys do Peeping Tom, keep me in mind. And now we're a scant three years later or whatever, and uh, <laughs> get around to it. But uh, yeah, I I didn't know about this movie until I was watching uh, some documentary about horror movies, you know, because they're all awesome. And uh, it had mentioned this movie that came out the same year as Psycho and. I mean, was actually in Technicolor and everything and actually pretty darn good, except no one had ever heard about it afterwards. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, and then I watched it and yeah, it's pretty fantastic. Spoiler it, alert. Well, yeah, I mean, I think I think people get the gist of that right away. We're not we're not telling any tales out of school. Mm. Um, speaking of school, Izzy, did you say you watched this in school? I did. I watched this uh, in high school. I was wow. working my way through the uh, the AFI and some of the BFI lists and all of that. And we didn't watch it in school. This is uh, one of those like, hey, I want you guys to watch like three movies over the, you know, one of these three movies over the weekend. Which okay. was difficult back then because my family had banned any rental movies because it would mess up our Betamax player. Long story short. Uh, And, you know, they didn't have streaming options because I'm an old lady. Back in the time before time. When this was still new. So this is the first time you've watched it in how many years? Oh, close to two decades. Yeah. Wow. Seven or eight for me. So, yeah. did, did, Did anything come back? Or was it like watching it for the first time? Um, no, I mean, it was, it was pretty, blah words are failing me um it was pretty familiar like it, you know if, if you'd asked me to recall it like scene for scene i couldn't have done it but it was like oh yeah but it holds up it's i still it's amazing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i agreed and and that's the craziest thing about this movie is like you guys said this comes out the same year as psycho and it's just nobody i think even like now nobody really has heard of this movie um more people should but they haven't uh, but Jason, run us run us down. Run this plot down real quick. What is Peeping Tom about? So, uh, uh, secret German Mark Lewis uh, is a uh, <laughs> photographer of sorts. Um, I think he's a German spy. I mean, this guy. Okay, first, let's just get this out of the way. This guy, and and I don't want to Im- impugn uh, Karl Heinz uh, uh, Boehm. Uh, I don't want to impugn his uh, life and politics, but this guy has a name that sounds like he's an u- Uber Sturmfuhrer in the SS. He looks oh. like an Aryan Superman, uh, oh. and he's fantastic uh, in this movie. So I just oh, want to get J- that Jason, out of the way. Jason, let me give you a little uh, little background on Mr. Bim. Uh, All right. Yeah, born during the Nazi youth days because <laughs> you know <laughs> he is very German and has yes. a very strong accent that he's obviously covering pretty well, but, you know, it's... It's it, pretty it, clear he's not British. Yeah. It, Mark it, Lewis. It, 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 if he were to be recast today, it'd be like Til Schweiger or something playing U- U- Udo Kier. Maybe a young Udo Kier in this role. Perhaps. Perhaps. Uh, I. The only other thing I've seen him in, though, uh, 
a few years before this, uh, I took German for six years when I was okay. in uh, high school many, many moons ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was in a trilogy of movies where he starred as Austrian Kaiser Franz Joseph. Uh, Josef, oh. uh, in the Sissy trilogy about, uh, I don't know, I guess like their most beloved princess ever. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I saw that pop up on Wikipedia. That sounded interesting. And for, I guess this dude was also a philanthropist later in life, so he must have made some money somewhere. For, for yeah. a second, I thought you, when you said the Sissy trilogy, I thought that was just your, <laughs> like, playground insult towards it's like, it. Yeah, like, oh, no. Fucking <laughs> Sissy movie about royals and dresses and shit. Oh, he's such a Sissy. Oh, it, it's, it's even better than that. It's like... It's like the sound of music. Like, I think there's a couple of musical numbers and stuff in it, but it's all in German. Like, I've never found a version of it where it even has like English dubbing and stuff. Just like you, you could probably put subtitles and stuff on. But we were watching it for German class. It's actually a pretty good, like, like, like a beautifully shot movie. Like around that that same time, you know. It does it sound out. interesting. It does sound interesting. Like uh, the formation of a national myth in the form of these three musical films. Yeah. So, Jason, yeah. what does the secret German do? The secret German, uh, so he, he he seems to work many jobs. Uh, his main job seems to be he works on a film set, but he's a photographer. He has lots of camera equipment. Mm-hmm. He, he lives in a, his house, and he's got, like, a dark room and all this stuff. But he also likes to creep on women, and eventually uh, we learn that he uh, murders them yep. and films himself murdering them. Films them. Well, yes, films them. He he's murdering them. He's not filming himself, but he no. films them as he murders them. That'd be weird. That's like taking a selfie of yourself. Why would that you? would be weird. <laughs> but but he's living this kind of quiet, like, qu- kind of quiet life, and and you know, uh, kind of a bit of a weird, creepy dude. He's also doing like like nudie pictures on the side that he's selling directly to a news agent. So this news agent has like OC available that has been prepared specifically for them. <laughs> yeah. What a time! What a time to be alive. And that's basically the plot. That's basically the plot. Uh, and yeah, so it, 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 but in the course of it, he meets a young lady who yep. lives downstairs. She wants to invite him to a party. She allegedly is 21. Uh, oh, I looked it up. No, I, I looked it up. This is a case of yeah. uh, British British people in the 60s looking much older. She was like only 22. Yeah, well, it's again, I, as I keep saying, it's because they grew up just completely saturated with cigarette smoke. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, she kind of looks like she has a face that reminds me of a, a comedian, Lauren Lapkus. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, just yeah, sort yeah. of a round face that uh, was quite cute. But I also want to run down who else is in this movie. You, mentioned, right. you mentioned Carl Heinz. Oh, also an have, old friend of ours is in this movie. A couple. Yeah. A couple of them. We have uh, Anna Massey playing Helen Stevens, the girl in question that you talked about. Yeah. We have Moira Shearer from The Red Shoes coming back ah, to play yes. Vivian. Uh, that's the uh, the double of the actress yes, on the set. Yes, yes. Um, Maxine Audley as Mrs. Stevens. She's Helen's mother. I think she's probably one of the best people in the movie. Mm-hmm. Brenda Bruce as Dora. Uh, we have Esmond Knight yes. coming back, making his like 800th appearance. Yes, um, and no, no, no brown face this time. No Just brown straight face. Straight up Esmond. <laughs> he's playing uh, um, Arthur Baden. He's the director. And he's wonderfully animated and, and, and over the top in this movie. I love it. We have Nigel Davenport as Detective Sergeant Miller. Mm-hmm. We have another returning person, uh, Shirley Ann Field, who we saw on Saturday Night and Sunday Morning playing mm-hmm. Albert Finney's young love interest. Ah. She's the actress in the movie, Diane mm-hmm. Ashley. Uh, we have Pamela Green as Millie, the model in this movie, who we'll talk about because there's one very big thing involving her um, in the in this production. Michael Powell is actually in this movie as well. Yeah, and that's basically is it. he the is he the cop that walks up and is like, "What are you doing? Who do you I, work for?" I don't know. He's A. N. Lewis, whoever that is. Okay, the only reason I say it is because we do see oh, a bald guy with a mustache. 
Oh, oh, okay. So he's 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 Mark's. Oh, father. he's the father. Oh, yeah, yeah. It all Lewis, makes sense. That now. Is, wow, yeah. psychologically, we don't even hardly. Well, we do see his face. Yeah. I guess once he focuses the camera, but psychologically, that means a lot. Yeah, doesn't stuff. it though? <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's of course this is directed. We've done many Powell and Pressburger movies on the show, but this is directed by only Michael Powell. And I got a little bit of sadness when I saw the archery yeah. logo, and it just said Michael Powell. Yeah, he kicked Press. Burger to the curb. He's like, nah, man, this one's on me. Yeah, Fuck you. Even though they did like four movies after yes. this together. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Michael Powell. Um, I mean, we got to talk about the biggest thing in the, in, about this movie is that it's the same year as Psycho. Yeah. This comes out two months before Psycho. Absolutely. And there are so many similarities to that movie. I mean, we have uh, these big, you know, British directors. Alfred Hitchcock and uh, Michael Powell. I believe Alfred Hitchcock was quite a bit larger than Michael Powell. <laughs> well, both in step, both in in fame and uh, actual physical stature. Um, <laughs> yes, they, uh, they, they. I mean, they both, like I said, they both come out the same year, within months of each other. They both feature a, a main character who has problems with a parent. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, uh, they both. You follow that character in both these movies. Although Psycho comes out and to great cl- acclaim. Not every critic liked it, but it certainly didn't ruin Alfred Hitchcock's career. Uh, it very much blossomed at that point. Whereas this movie comes out, mm. and it's essentially the end of the line for Michael Powell. Yeah, but this this movie did not have the marketing muscle, I think, that a Psycho had. Yeah. Well, I think this movie made everyone so uncomfortable because <laughs> it it uses a technique that I don't think had been used very much at the time. Is that you're essentially him? Yeah, yeah the POV. Yes. Yeah, you're. I mean, guys, this movie opens up with Mark's eye opening. Yeah, like you're, you're, and just a signal like this is who we're seeing the movie through. Mm-hmm. And I think people in 1960 were probably very uncomfortable with that. Yeah, because and it, it really, really do see it through his eyes because we kind of see all sides of him. We kind of get a sense of of who he is, and that he's you know he's a multi layered character who is doing awful horrible things, but is not just uh, he's not just an evil stock character either. Yeah, I mean, you guys have all seen Psycho. Yes, yes. Okay. I mean, and the I've seen shot for shot remake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> With the masturbation pointless, scene. But that's a different podcast. <laughs> but in Psycho, like, there is like a 25 minute chunk of that movie where they're just describing why he did, why Norman Bates is a killer. Hmm. Like yeah. they're talking about like how oh how he he crossed. It's a very um uh it's a discussion of trans people that maybe doesn't translate so well these days but it's like 25 minutes it's such a long portion of that movie whereas i I think and i think they're trying to get you to be like oh no we want to make sure you know this person is not a good person and he's evil and we know he's evil and don't worry we're not on his side whereas this movie is a little more ambiguous Yeah. yeah absolutely yeah I don't know. You even start like it got, like we would start when it shows his point of view. It's literally a window, mm. right? It's like a like a like a box with like two lines in well, it. Well, it's a viewfinder of his camera, yeah, but it does yeah, look yes. like a window yes, too, it does. though. Yeah, like he's peeking in a window. Like Wait, he's are a you peeping. talking about that opening oh. scene where we see in live time him propositioning a prostitute? Yes. Yeah. yeah two like quid, a... not bad deal. Right? Does Does anybody else uh, uh, find the idea that he was somehow consp- inconspicuously hiding that big fucking camera kind of ridiculous? <laughs> like that nobody would notice that. But I don't think he. I don't. I think they do notice it though. Yeah, that's the thing because like, people pointed out throughout the movie. That's true. But but it, it felt like he was like because he puts it inside his coat right, and he's like yeah. trying to kind of 
keep it at least not right out in everybody's face, as opposed to other times when he is holding it up and just straight up filming people. Wouldn't you guys love to see a spy movie where those are like the hidden cameras? <laughs> well, well, the best part of it is like the cop says later, like, oh yeah, we talked to the, the witness. He said he had something in his coat, but she couldn't make out what it was. And it's like, uh, w- w- did she think it was like a periscope or something? Or, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> the looking glass. It's so he can see ahead of himself. <laughs> indeed, um, indeed. There's also an argument to be made that this may very well be the first slasher movie. Hmm. Um, just in the sense that we do kind of have a final girl. I mean, we yeah. have, uh, yeah. you know, Helen. Yes. The, yeah. the, the other tenant in the building. Well, and, and, and she's the one that he doesn't want to do it because he's actually making a connection with her. He yeah. thinks of her as a person. He actually has some love for her and he does not want to see her afraid. But and also the fact that there are multiple victims. Like there are people hmm. introduced I mean, they're, they're, I'm not saying they're as paper thin as like characters in like a Friday the 13th no. movie, but yeah. they are essentially characters in this movie so that he can have victims yeah. leading up to the end of the movie, which is a total slasher thing. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'd agree with that. Um, they get a couple of notes as characters more so, like you say, more so than your average slasher movie. Like we get a couple of character things and then he murders them. Right. Exactly. Also, I want to say the uh, uh, to me the originality of the murder weapon of the camera with the tripod that has like the sharpened uh, uh, thing hidden at the end of it like that's brilliant. And I have we ever has anybody else ever like done that or stolen that idea from this movie because that seems really cool. I don't think so. I, I like of all the murder weapons I've ever seen in any horror movie, I've never seen anything quite like that, and thought that was neat. Yeah, and I mean when we get when he reveals it later that there's like a mirror so that you're actually mm. watching your own death. Yeah, that was fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah. super fucked. That was the fucking key to this whole thing. Yeah, not only am I recording it, um, I'm also making you watch and making it that much more terrifying yeah. for you. <laughs> and that's what his dad was doing to him because we saw that same light yeah. reflecting in his face. Well, I mean, and you yeah, look Let's say you could argue, um, no, we don't have a 25-minute scene breaking down why he's a killer, but we do have him kind of explain yes. um, his his father, and maybe we should just uh, listen to a little bit of that, um, him explaining what his life was like growing up. So he was a scientist. What kind of a scientist, Mark? Biologist. What was he trying to do to you? Mark, what was he trying to do to you? Watch me grow up. He wanted a record of a growing child. Complete. In every detail. Such a thing were possible. And he tried to make it possible by training a camera on me at all times. I never knew the whole of my childhood, one moment's privacy. And those lights in your eyes and that thing. He was interested in the reactions of the nervous system to to fear. Fear? Fear. Especially fear in children and how they react to it. I think he learned a lot from me. I'd wake up sometimes screaming. He'd be there taking notes and pictures. And I'm sure good came of it. For some people, he was brilliant. A scientist drops a lizard onto a child's bed and good comes of it. 
Yeah. So, I mean, he does kind of break down what his background is in that scene, but it's done in a way that's like, it doesn't feel as awkward as it does in Psycho. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a little more fluid to the story and everything. Mm. And and it also kind of shows, like, I don't know, it kind of comes up a little later and stuff, too, where uh, Helen, the, the young girl that lives, you know, down the hall or whatever, she's, she you know, he ends up having feelings and stuff towards her, and he's kind of like, well, gee, maybe, 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 uh, he seems to, like, be having second thoughts about doing this kind of thing, mm-hmm. but 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 it's like, oh, it's my life's work. I must keep doing it. Well, just not to her, then. <laughs> yeah, I can never take her picture. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that's another scene, too, that comes up later when she jokes about putting the camera on herself, and he yeah. has a, a total freak out. And yeah. He says, no, don't do that. Don't no. do that. No. Because then he will be compelled. <laughs> yeah. Nine? <laughs> even later on he says he doesn't even he doesn't want to like see her fear like when mm. she's scared later on he says i i can't look at you right now he won't even he'll he's, yeah. he keeps looking away from her because if he sees her fear he's gonna have to do something yeah. about it i have to document this the, and the then will take over <laughs> think about this guys if you're with me if you can stay with me on this one if you're right. smart enough guys everyone we'll hold, try. Hold, right. hold your pee for a second this movie seems really prescient to me in the sense that this, so, because I thought it was weird at first, but then I think about the modern era. So this guy talks about like, oh, his dad documented him all growing up. He filmed him. He tried to document him as much as he could. But we live in an era where that literally happens to some extent. Parents can do that. Oh, yeah. As long as you've got a, a cloud space to store all your fucking video, you could film everything. And I mean, now, to be fair, they're not all using it for experiments. I mean, I'm sure a good chunk of them I are. I mean, not all of them. Not all of them, but... 40, 45% are. Um, And you don't have to walk around with a suitcase under your coat or whatever to do it. It's all on your phone or like a little GoPro you can have stashed in your collar or something. Exactly. You can be a total stealth creep these days. Yeah. He doesn't know. I mean, that's what Steve's Twitch is dedicated to. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And you can follow me at EILF Movies. Okay. Anything I learned from All right. All right. Plugs at the end, people. Plugs at the end. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to start bringing the plug, please. All right. Jason will do it. Don't I'll do it. Him. I'll call him. <laughs> you you ask Alec Guinness. That's right. <laughs> A long time. Get out of here, Alec. You're not needed yet. Goodbye. <laughs> Took his rocket ship. Um, At A Guinness sixty nine. <laughs> <laughs> so there. Um, there was a th- there was also so I, I want to go back to Psycho just for a moment because um, another reason why one reason that was kind of theorized why this movie you know did the way it did. I mean, critics did not like it when it came out at all. Um, and, and people didn't like it in general. Like well, people sucked did, back then. Audiences did not like it. They were terrified. Oh, yeah. they were, this was this was attacking every moral fiber of their being. But um, one uh, theory was that Peeping Tom, they had a press screening, and the reactions that came out of that were so vile and so toxic that it just kind of spread. And, then, and a lot of people said that that might have been, whereas Hitchcock was kind of watching that on the side and being like, you know what? I'm not going to do a press screening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just kind of well, went well, for it. We'll wait for that opening day crowd to give a yay or nay to this movie. Yeah, yeah exactly. And Powell actually, another interesting connection is Powell actually worked as a stills photographer on some of Hitchcock's early movies. Oh, so it's not like they oh. didn't know each other. 39 Steps? <laughs> no, no, just like oh. like some really really early stuff, oh. like like twenties. Like man 30s. walks down the street and waves. Yeah, that's yeah. a classic Hitchcock. <laughs> Lady film. vanishes. That, that was like thirty four. <laughs> well, well thirty nine steps was like what thirty three, thirty five, thirty. Oh, it was later. Okay. Lady oh, vanishes okay. a couple okay. years after that. 
Um, but he worked on a movie called like uh, called The Blind Man, which is a Hitchcock movie that was never produ- like never finished. Huh. Um, what happened was uh, in, in this movie there was a blind pianist that received <laughs> the eyes of a murder victim, but Ooh. their retinas retain the image of a murder. How have they not? How has somebody not made a version of that? I mean, Wild Wild right? West. I mean, was that was that Riddick? <laughs> Well, 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 West. There's a plot oh, yeah. element. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, totally. Uh, actually, there was a movie called At First Sight, starring Val Kilmer and Elizabeth Shue. It's a romantic comedy. It takes a stark turn. <laughs> oh. You know, oh, when you said... I thought it was Bloodshot. <laughs> bloodshot, because it's about the eyes. <laughs> when you said stark turn, you, you sold me. Um, <laughs> and also, I actually want to mention another thing, too, because you guys were talking about Carl Heinz, and you were saying, oh, he's this perfect Aryan gentleman. That was me, yes. Yes, Jason was. Let's just let... Lead, Let's just put that out there. Yes. Um, but not only was he not the first choice, uh, they wanted Dirk Bogard, who we talked about in The Servant. Yes. Oh, um, yeah. Good old Dirk Bogard. They also uh, wanted Lawrence Harvey from uh, Room at the Top. They're going and through all of our rogues gallery. I know. They consulted us. They built a time <laughs> machine. Um, and actually, Lawrence Harvey was attached for a while, but he pulled out during pre-production. People were reading this script and being like, you know what? Mm. <laughs> I figured they would have wanted Klaus Kinski for this role. Oh yeah, they wanted someone oh, yeah, easy to work got with. Kinski yeah. all over. <laughs> <laughs> but um, he basically, Carl Heinz said he saw you know his character is kind of a sympathetic character ultimately. Yeah. Um, and he felt a lot of pity for him. And actually, in two thousand eight, he talked about playing this character, and he said he interpreted this character. And I bring this up because of what you said earlier. Yeah. He interpreted this character as being traumatized by growing up under the Nazi regime. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Right. Sense. That, 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 uh, that a, a serial killer that's fucked up would be fucked up by a bunch of fucking murderers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Smart actor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and the only thing I, like you, you mentioned the other movies earlier, but this is one of the only things I know him from. Yeah, no, I, yeah, he did, exactly. He didn't become, uh, I mean, you could say maybe this movie, you know, hindered that a little bit. Because nobody came out of this looking squeaky clean, yeah. unfortunately. Do you know what this movie... There's two movies that really come to mind that remind me of this movie that they may have influenced. One is obviously Blow Up. I feel a lot of Blow Up vibes watching this movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously it's different because he's not a murderer in that movie. He's just crazy. Yeah. But Or maybe he isn't. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Yeah. <laughs> but the other movie that I think of that I go back to, and I haven't seen this movie in years, but uh, One Hour Photo with Robin Williams. Yeah. And, it's not, and it's not just because yeah. they're both blonde, but it's that similar kind of like creepiness, that, that weird obsession of them. Like, I wonder if Robin Williams yeah. had watched this movie in preparation for this one. Yeah, one hour photo, he's like voyeuristic, like yeah. living mm-hmm. through this other family that brings their photos and stuff in yep. and then kind of wedges his way in there. For those that haven't seen it, check it out. Yeah, it's, it's great. Uh, it's fantastic. It's movie. interesting. Do not watch it thinking it's going to be, uh, you know, a Mork and Mindy yeah, style no, yeah. version no. of... It's, it's not a physical <laughs> it's comedy not, spectacle. It's yes. not Patch Adams. Yes, Mr. Sure. Happy wants to take your photo, yes. <laughs> I read a couple things that people think there's some kind of sexual implication in this movie with the with the, with the the camera oh. and, like, you know, the phallic shape of the, the weapon used. Oh, and the penetration of a young lady's throat? Yeah. yeah. I don't know why oh, that would be a thing. You know what? <laughs> But you know what? I, I get that, but ultimately I don't see it other than that. I, well, it's it's in the scenes they didn't film, Brendan, and I I see in the scenes they didn't film him just just fucking going to town, just beating the shit out of his own dick while watching these movies. Uh, yeah, we don't yeah, see yeah, it, that, but that, it, it feels that might like get a it's awkward. there. Yeah, Vince Vaughn gave us a taste of that in the Psycho remake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, there's definitely it's the vibe because it's. It's it's deeper than sexual to yeah. him. It's yeah. it's like it's like his his 
realizing his vision That's and right. all this other stuff. And then, you know, when he's like looking back on the footage and it's not what he expected, he's like, oh, no, I've ruined it. Now I've got to do it ah. again. Ah. It's physical and it's sexual, but more importantly for him, it is spiritual. Well, I mean, yeah. it's also him doing all he knows. If, 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 you know, that scene earlier that we heard where his father filmed him at every yeah. given moment of his life to document its fear. Right. And, that's what he knows. He went into the family business. It's the family business. And, you know, <laughs> there's a couple of, I think there's a couple of parts in this movie where I kind of questioned for a second. I was like, I, I thought to myself, did the dad kill someone? Because there were a couple of moments where he just, I don't know. I got that. I got that I feeling. kind of assumed that he might've had something to do with the mother's death, but that was never yeah. like uh, elaborated upon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he, and then oh. like there's the scene where he talks to the uh, psychiatrist who knew his father yes. and stuff, and he kind of implied like, "Oh yes, his research is groundbreaking," and blah blah blah. Yeah. And it was like, "Oh, how how much research was he doing, and how deep?" And oh, this is a this is a prequel right here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I absolutely believe his dad was a serial killer, and he's just continuing his dad's his dad's work. So this yeah. is a Dexter scenario. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, there, there's the reels and reels, you know, in his little uh, studio or whatever that he has. There's like lots of, you know, that nitrate film reels. Ooh. Like, are those all his? Because he, as far as we know, he's only killed, you know, the, was it three people or four? Well, he kills, he kills the prostitute at the beginning. He kills yeah. uh, Vivian, the mm-hmm. double Vivian. later yeah. on. And he kills the model, I believe. And he makes it, he almost kills the mother. Uh, Vivian. Yeah, and that's Vivian. a crazy scene too. So let's talk about that because yeah, nobody... let's talk about the blind mother. Yeah, well, the, the blind, <laughs> casually alcoholic mother. I I I really like this character yeah. though, and what I like is that nobody can really. I mean, maybe it's an obvious thing, but I like how nobody um it can really see past like his outer appearance. They just see him as this kind of nervous guy. Uh, also, by the way, um, a nervous kind of guilty guy living in an apartment building where like tenants try to befriend him and stuff. This feels like something that's been done to death now. Yeah. Um, as recent as the Joker movie. Okay. Like they had like, you know, a a thing where he, well, I mean, I won't spoiler alert, but, um, well, uh, wait, wait, Brendan, let me stop you right there. Uh, I'll say it for you. Joker, you hacks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was just going to say, cause he befriends a neighbor and then, you know, obviously it turns out he didn't, but, um, it's that same kind of, same kind of thing. Mm. I mean, it does feel pretty much the same. So what, so what I'm saying is, like, nobody can really see past that. They all just think he's this weird dude. Um, except the mother, Helen's mother, the mm. girl that, you know, he kind of has a thing for. And yeah. her mother uh, is blind. And yeah. like you said, I mean, I think if they make it obvious, she's Brendan, an alcoholic. Brendan, she is blind, but she is the one who can truly see. That's what I was going to say. Oh, yeah. oh, oh shit. yeah. You guys see it now. She's a bl- she's blind drunk is what she is. <laughs> yeah, the alcohol <laughs> well, enhances that, her hearing. The the first two scenes, I was like, wait, is she blind or is she just like not giving a fuck, paying attention to anybody? Because she's just sitting there in the chair, just drinking, drinking glass after glass of whiskey or whatever. You know, good old Johnny Walker. Yeah, and I'm like, eh, she's just in her own world, no big deal. And then it comes up later where it's like, oh, oh, maybe she is just blind because she hasn't blinked since I've seen her. She she was doing she was doing the the patented Jimmy Pardo actress in a blind role situation where she's just kind of sort of staring off into the distance just randomly and 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 delivering her lines and it works I I got the sense yeah. that she was blind pretty quick. Can we listen to a little bit of Helen's mother and then we'll I mean, and then we'll no. continue to yeah no <laughs> shut it down <laughs> okay rhetorical question here we go <laughs> not on my podcast anyway. I'd like you to come in for a moment and meet my mother. 
Yes, please. <laughs> Darling, this is Mark. How, how do you do, Mrs. Stevens? Hello, Mark. Have you been running, young man? Yes. Didn't want to be late for Helen. Thank you. You deserve a drink for that. What would you like? Nothing, thank you very much. Mother, I've left your Tell me, young man, which studio do you work at? Chipperfield Studio. That poor girl, where did she work? Brookwood, I think. Hmm. We were wondering if you knew her. No. No, I didn't know her. Pity. I do like first-hand information. Darling, may I tell you about your supper? No. Go and be told about yours. Goodbye, Mark. I expect we shall meet again. I hope so, Mrs. Stevens. Number one, I love how she's the only one that's really suspect of him. Mm. And I love that heartbeat mm. effect. Yeah. I just noticed yeah. that now in the background, that, that little drumming of the heartbeat that we can hear as yeah. she touches his wrist. She feels his, feels his pulse immediately. And then we get it throughout the scene. Like, she's not, obviously, she's not holding onto his wrist the whole time. But um, yeah. we get that, like, throughout that scene. But, yeah, let's talk about Helen. What do you want yeah. to say, Steve? Oh, about Helen or her mom? Oh, sorry, Helen's mother, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, yeah, the mom. Uh, okay, so there's the, yeah, the scene where she basically pops up in his studio and she's like, oh, yeah, I'm here a lot. Just hide in the corner while you're watching these movies. I see what you do. No, hear what you do. And... she didn't say she hides in the corner. What? She said blind people always live in the uh, the room they live beneath. Yes. So she's always, she's in that room every night because she can hear everything oh. he's doing up there. Oh, okay. I yeah. must have just caught the part where she says, I'm in that room every night listening to you, <laughs> yeah. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait, and this is the first time he's like caught her? No, nope, this is <laughs> the okay. first time that she's actually made it up the stairs. Uh, she's okay. sort of a proto daredevil in that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, is she secretly a superhero? <laughs> Which, well, by the way, like, I'm sorry, blind people can maneuver stairs. Yes, absolutely. Like, oh, I mean, does yeah. she also have like rheumatoid arthritis or something? <laughs> I mean, she is an older lady. She's very sick. She has many conditions. She, they well, couldn't get into all of them. Now hold on, now. Well, now and, she and, is... and, and let's just say, sometime locks work. I, I, I mean, he let me use locks. He doesn't know because she just walks in. Uh, Helen just walks in uh, at one point, and that's when she finds oh, out yeah. what's going on. Oh, hold on, though. She is an older lady who has a drinking problem, and mm. she's blind. I feel like she'd have some issue with stairs. Fair enough. She was pretty deep into that bottle <laughs> of Johnny Walker. Sorry. <laughs> she is three bottles in at this point. It's Johnny Walker, not Johnny Stair Escalator. That's right. I mean. <laughs> ah, buzzing. Well, that's interesting because she just kind of pops up and she managed to make her way up there because, you know, she's blind, but she's not stupid. She knows how to, she'd probably figure out the layout of the house. And she wasn't always blind, so. Yeah, I was, well, I was just going to say this scene is like, a, it, it's one of the more, I mean, there's lots of tense mm. scenes in this movie, but this one is a, extremely tense because, well, it's a character that kind of matters more in the grand yes. scheme of things because, you know, she's Helen's mother. If he kills her, I mean, I think, I think people are going to notice. Well, in this situation, <laughs> is much higher stakes because she is in his apartment. If he kills her in his apartment, that's going to be a problem for him. It's not like at the studio or, or at, in a cheap hotel or whatever where he can just leave the body and get out of there and they can find it. He has to then deal with it. So that's, mm-hmm. I think, part of his reasoning for not doing it, oh. I suppose. Yeah, say, speaking of tense scenes, okay, was anybody else, like, really tense, like, the whole studio thing where him and uh, Vivian, yes. the stand-in yeah. lady, yes. like, when that whole thing's going on, he's just, like, you know, moving things around yeah. and, like, very obviously, like, 
we well, I mean we know setting up her death and she's yeah. just like dancing around doing like her best kind of I, I don't know, just shooting the shit, singing in the rain kind of number. I, <laughs> like, I, look, I'm spinning and twirling and jumping. Oh, it's so fun. Come on, Mark. What is it you want me to act? Being frightened to death? Remembered? Yes, and I have a go. What are you doing? Building us a set. <sighs> well, why don't you put out the studio while you're about it? They can only hang you once. Exactly. Could see me now. <laughs> By the way, his name's Mark. Yeah. And yeah. so I kept thinking of a uh, a remake uh, called Peeping Tommy with uh, Greg Sestero as uh, as Mark. Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah. <laughs> I, I you no know, that scene. Okay, so yeah, let's talk about that one too because that's a big one. Um, that's a, that's a big like you know set piece. Yes. Um, that scene yeah, yeah. is where you know he works on movies, he works on film sets. He's a focus puller. Yeah. Which I got to think in 1960, people who were not you know the industry was not as well known. Yeah. In terms of like you know terms and shit. So if you're not like a person in the movie industry, you hear focus puller, you know what the fuck that I is. I didn't even hear that, and if I had heard it, I wouldn't have known exactly. I figured it would have had something to do with the camera. Yeah. Uh, to me, focus pullers is like scene stealer in my opinion. Yeah. Right? <laughs> He's just, he... <laughs> well, no, so like he basically, for those, for, those, for those of you listening who may not know, focus puller is essentially like, you know, we're going to have scenes where these characters go from this point to this point to this point, and we have to measure so we know exactly where to put the focus so we can stay with them so they don't get blurry, et cetera. So that's his scene. job. Is He's made doing all those measurements for yeah. the cameraman and the DP and... Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So he's kind of, he's kind of like he's camera crew, but he's kind of you know third or fourth rung. Yeah. He's that. a tracer. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> he's a tracer. I'll trace tracers. A, trace a line around your dead fucking body, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he he um, is kind of friendly with uh, the the lead actress in this movie's uh, double, played by Maura Shearer. Who Jason? We talked about her in the Red Shoes because yes. that was her first movie ever. Wow! And she knocked it out of the park. She came came in as a ballet dancer, mm-hmm. right? And had never acted before. And this movie, you know, she's had a, f- a few movies since under her belt, but not a lot. Yeah. And she comes in, and I think it's great that Michael Powell, who also directed her in the Red Shoes, has her do this dance number, and she even does a little bit of ballet in the middle yeah. of it. Yeah, well, why not? She knows he knows where her strengths lie, so take advantage of them, right? I'm wondering if it's like a little callback too. Yeah, because I mean, people British people would have known that movie. That with Red Shoes was a huge movie overseas, Absolutely. not so much here, mm. um, but you know, at the time, and, uh, and and I think that's a nice little little callback to that. Also, an, an interesting little thing is I remember we talked about Moira Shearer and Michael Powell didn't really get along mm. on the set of the Red Shoes. And how do we start that that film set? Is the director played by Esmond Knight? Yeah, is arguing with the lead actress 
who Moira Shearer is the double for. Yes. And we're definitely, I think, supposed to take the director's side. <laughs> which I think, I'm like, hmm, Michael Powell. <laughs> That's true. The, the, I the, see you. <laughs> the the uh, lead actress comes off as something of a waif. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, Michael Powell just doing that right in front of Moira Taking Shearer. shots. <laughs> Um, but she's great. And yeah, so he, he, under the guise of like, we're shooting, you know, we're going to go shoot this other movie. I'm, I'm working on a special project and you're great. Hmm. Um, like Steve said, he's basically setting up the scene. He's moving props around and shit and eventually, you know, murders her like anyone else, like everyone else. Yeah. And leaves her there. Puts her in the trunk. Puts her yeah. right in the trunk. Yeah. Um, and then the, the most morbid aspect of that is that the next time they go to film, they use the trunks as props, and of course, before they even go to open it, he sees that it's going to be open, and he hides behind a corner and gets his camera out to yes. film that fear reaction. For his documentary. Yeah. Yeah, for his documentary. Which, working. by the way, uh, he's making this so-called documentary. Uh, given how this all plays out, who the fuck did he think was going to edit it? That's what I want to know. I think him. Yeah, he was going to do it himself. It's a very independent project. Yes. <laughs> oh, you mean with him like dying? Well, I yeah. don't think that was his plan unless he got caught. But he had all those cameras set up. Yeah. He pulled off oh, all the yeah, flashes yeah. and shit. So he knew that was like his, that was the equivalent of his death by cop. <laughs> that he was like, he's just like, I'm going down in a hail of camera shots. He was like, ACAP, <laughs> baby. Then <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he gets lit up like with the end of Platoon. <laughs> <laughs> like fucking, Will, fucking Willem Dafoe. <laughs> you know what the best thing about Platoon was in my mind? When they fucking do the, the, the shotguns on the actual shotguns. They're smoking weed and just fucking doing it. That was so cool. Yeah, man, that's a great movie. Can we talk about Platoon? Is that British? Not yeah, enough. is that on the BFI? Not yeah. British enough. Is it yeah, Badass <laughs> Film Institute? <laughs> I think that counts as the we got that'd be our next podcast. We do the list of the Couple Badass of Film Institute. Judge Dredd, number one. Um, I don't know. I feel like I, maybe you're right. Maybe he is like you know he's ready to do it whenever he kind of has to do it. Yeah. Um, because he maybe he eventually knows he's gonna get caught. And what's he interesting? Does. He screams it at the end. He goes, "I knew this day would come." Yeah. Everything <laughs> is ready, and then he runs yeah. into the back room and <laughs> yeah. stabs himself with his murder camera. <laughs> what I love yeah. is so he's obviously made some connection to Helen. Um, furthered only by her talking about this book that she's working on about a, about a children, uh, children having a camera that, you know, creates what they want it to create. And he's really intrigued by that, especially when she kind of asks if he'd do the photos for the book. Hmm. Um, but what, what else is interesting is like, I feel like he, when he's talking to that psychiatrist later and he's like, Oh God, like, you know, my father did all this research. Do you know how long it takes for someone to be cured of being a peeping Tom essentially? And when he says, like, oh, it's not that bad. It just takes a couple years. I think he was expecting the doctor to say, oh, yeah, here's the cure. Here's a pill. You're good. Right? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Here, read these four lines, and boom, you're done. Uh, And and I think the reason he's doing that is because he feels the urge, and he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to kill Helen. And and in that that moment, he goes back to um, that little little place where he, you know, takes pictures of of the models, the nude photos, and, you know, off screen, but he kills one of the models. By the way, that psychiatrist, yeah. I was curious if maybe that psychiatrist was a British actor doing a German accent to a German actor doing a British accent. But no, it turns out he's from Austria, so it's cool. Uh, I do think it's interesting um, that he goes back and kills the model. Also, guys, it's very quick, but did you know that this is like the first British movie to feature on-screen nudity? I saw that. Where was the nudity? So yeah. is it? It's for it's literally on screen for about five seconds, but when he goes to uh, murder the model, yeah, 
um, when they cut to the wider shot of like her laying there and him standing above her, she's topless. Oh, wow. Yeah. Huh. Neat. I did not even notice that. I did. And you know me, Brendan, if there's a nipple in the movie, I'll see it. And somehow I missed that. Wait, topless. But did she have like her arm over her or like the, like a blanket? No, fully, fully exposed. See, it's funny so because it's not five seconds because five seconds in a movie is for fucking yeah, ever. It's yeah. like a fifth of a second. No, no. I mean, it's, it's five it frames. Is, it's a few seconds, honestly. It's like three, four, five. Well, seconds. I'm gonna go back and check it out. Exactly. What's the timestamp on that, Doctor yeah. Skin? <laughs> doctor Skin. Wow. He, he, well, he went to school. It, it, it's yeah. been it's been like thirty years. That's obviously, right. he's got a doctorate by now. At least an honorary one. I was gonna. Or, uh, I was gonna say though, like nudity wise, I, I. It's funny I missed that because I noticed like when they when he goes into the news agents, there's like open porn posted on the on the walls, like nudie girls. Yeah, that's okay. I just remember. Yeah, yeah. Say, is that the nudie they're talking about? Because <laughs> like when he was like videotaping no. that, I'm like, oh, the old days. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I was surprised too because I was I when I heard about that, I was like, I don't remember that happening. But yeah, that's that scene. It's only for you know, it's very briefly, but it's there. And that made it extra fun when we have that moment when the then the schoolgirl comes into the news agent to buy a, a ginger ale or something. Well, that, that's the scene. <laughs> actually, that's the scene I do want to play okay. for a second. Let's listen to the because he goes into the news agency. Um, this is early on in the movie when we learn he takes dirty pictures. Yes. And this old man comes in and coyly coyly wants some to buy some dirty pictures. And then in the middle of it, he's interrupted by a very innocent school ch- schoolgirl. Oh, we don't know. Was anybody else expecting the schoolgirl to be in the pictures? Oh boy! For him to like flip oh. and be like, oh, 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 oh. Uh, no, well, I was not surprised. You, no, I didn't. But uh, <laughs> uh, I should have theoretically. <laughs> Here we go. I'm told by a friend that you have some views for sale. What sort of views, sir? Hmm. What? This sort, sir? Yes, thank you. Morning, Mr. Peter. Morning. Can I have a crunch, please? Help yourself, my dear. Thank you. How much each? Uh, Five shillings each, sir. Oh, well, I'll have that one. Yeah. Oh, and that. Uh, <laughs> How much would the lot be? Uh, to you, five pounds, sir. Five pounds. Well, uh, I'll tell you what, sir. I'll make it four pounds ten, and I'll throw in the Times and the Telegraph. How's that? Thank you very much. Yeah, well, let me wrap it for you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> and he, he he wraps the the dirty pictures up in an envelope that says educational books. Yeah, I one. love that detail. And then he walks out the door, and as the dude walks out the door, the line he says is, uh, <laughs> he goes, uh, well, he won't be doing the crossword tonight. <laughs> this this movie is dirty. Yeah, there's some, like, some pretty edgy stuff. <laughs> there's, there's, it's pushing Quite. the boundaries. And, I mean, there like I said, the public outcry, you know, uh, they felt the felt the film's violence and sexuality was so scandalous, which of course now looks really quaint. Oh, it's, it's so oh, it's so mild. Yeah, <laughs> but um, it, it's so. I just wanted just to give you an idea of how upset people were. This was in theaters for five days. Wow, it got pulled after five days. Spider Man Turn Off the Dark got more shows than this did. <laughs> I think that Kevin oh. Spacey. Uh, uh, kids movie got more time in theaters. Oh my god! Came out, came out the year he was accused. Ooh, trespass got a longer <laughs> run. Yeah. 
Right? Um, and it actually, so that's just in British cinemas. It wasn't shown in the U.S. until 1999. Damn. Yeah. Puritans. And you could Well, th- see, that's why nobody no- knows about it yeah. over here, and it's not held in the same esteem as Psycho, you, in you my mean, opinion. Nobody's seen it. And you can thank Mr. Martin Scorsese for that. To, for for not not for nobody for keeping seeing it down. It. No, yeah. For, yeah. Thanks, Marty. No, for for bringing it over. As you know, we talked about that a lot. Yeah, we talked about other Powell and Pressburger movies. Yeah, he loves those guys. Martin Scorsese loves them. He he you know would watch those movies. He somehow found this color print of it um, that his friend had, and uh, he just watched it over and over until you know eventually it just stopped working. So <laughs> back when that was a thing that could happen. Question. Watched it over and over again until he made the movie Hugo. <laughs> I have a question about the logic of this guy for a sec. Um, did anybody see a piano in his apartment? Yeah. Did, was there? I think so. Okay. Just because he does that cool piano soundtrack. Yeah, it was over by the mantle. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good, good, good. I just, I didn't know. Yeah, yeah, I was notice. trying to remember if it was his apartment or hers, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it was his. Because that would explain where he's the guy he's composing his own avant-garde piano soundtrack for these, uh, these scenes, which is it, wonderful. But is that, but is that supposed to be in the movies or is that just the soundtrack Yeah, because of the I movie? think when he turns it off, it, the music stops. Yeah, it turns off, the music stops too, but, it, but, but that's also more of a like, are we supposed to just hear the music and be tense while he's watching it? And then he shuts it off when he hears like somebody knocking at the door or whatever. I suppose. I, I like oh, to think that it's diagenic that he took the time to to put a soundtrack on it <laughs> I, I, I do want to talk he's, oh sorry go ahead. he's the robert rodriguez of the uh late 50s early 60s that's right he's, he does it all he, john carpenter even <laughs> yeah yeah well, let's talk about the screen uh, i want to talk briefly about the screenplay for this movie because the uh, the writer of this movie's name is leo marx uh and not like carl oh uh, no uh, no uh, m-a-r-k-s yeah. oh. <laughs> and uh he based now he based portions of the movie on his experience growing up as the son of Benjamin Marks, who owned the oh Marks and Co. bookstore in London. Uh, elements of this peeping tom is based on his observations of inner city residents who frequented the father, his father's store. So the prostitute who's murdered in the film's opening scene was based on a real life prostitute who mm-hmm. came into the store all the time. Um, I'm sure she was uh, delighted by her uh, portrayal on screen. Yes, so sweet, <laughs> good old Midge. <laughs> Um, he also was inspired when he read a short story by Edgar Allan Poe called The Gold Bug um, to write this movie. Uh, he also, when he wrote the screenplay, by the way, uh, the, the screenwriter himself is like, oh, this is entirely sexual. Like, he is just like 100% oh, yeah. behind, like, his intentions are 100% sexual, which, again, I don't know if I'm, like, fully on board as that idea, but, you know, whatever. Oh, yeah, sorry. Then he sta- he later stated he felt like, okay, maybe it was less sexual than it was unconscious. Like, <laughs> um, And prior to writing the screenplay, he was a cryptographer during World War II. As were so many people. Yeah. So I just thought that was interesting. Well, as what it, that's, been, that's the funny thing about watching all these like old British movies is that they are made by people who fucking all went through World War II and either fought or did something in support of the government, whether, you know, you were... A soldier or you were Noel Coward running the propaganda office in Paris. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, Greatest generation. <laughs> I do like to, uh, we talk about Mark like taking these photos and being interested in like seeing fear on people's faces. I guess that's why he's really interested when he goes into take those dirty pictures at the beginning. Mm. That one, that one lady who has a busted lip. Well, uh, hair lip, I believe is the implication. Oh, I thought she got hit. Yeah. Attacked or something. No, I, I think she was born. I think it's supposed to be like a birth defect. Oh, it's, oh yeah, yeah. I was thinking it was like a cleft palate that yeah, had been yeah. fixed. Yeah, exactly. See, because I thought the that his obsession with that was like 
seeing the fear in her eyes. Yes, which ultimately it was because she said, oh, don't photograph my face. And he's like, I, I love your eyes. Yeah, and he gets real close. Um, I just think that's an interesting, uh, interesting aspect to him. An aspect that's interesting. <laughs> that's for you, Nathan. It's time for an interesting aspect. It's an aspect that's interesting. That's a fun fact, Brandon. Thanks for sharing. Uh, I don't, but I is don't. it a super fun fact? Because it's a fun, fun fact? Probably not. It's the funnest fact, I would say. And now it's time for the low haiku. <laughs> so Jason is going to get into his bits and bobs, but bits is there any... Before we, get into the, before we get into that, are there any other kind of big, like... You know, topics that you kind of want to go over here. Better than Psycho? <laughs> I think it's better than Psycho. I would argue. Yeah, that. right. Okay, okay. I yeah. wasn't the only one. Yeah, that's good. I, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and slander Psycho as like a bad. No, movie no, or no, anything. not at all. It, 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 it was definitely more gripping and interesting to me than it, it, Psycho. When you, when you break it down, it's, it's, it's about a lady that steals a bunch of money and her gets her come up inside a motel uh, ran by a psycho, and it's like. Okay, I mean that's cool. Yeah, but but this one's definitely more more character driven yeah. and stuff. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I feel like Psycho falls apart after the first half. Yeah, like after you get Norman Bates like killing her and hiding the and you see him like in the process of like hiding the evidence, like the whole bit where they show up and you know we have that explanation of who he is and he shows up and gets like arrested or whatever. Like that just felt like. I don't know. I'm just not as interested in that part of the movie. It's yeah. fine, but you know, yeah. You know what? I, I I don't know if you guys have seen the Psycho sequels, like Psycho two and three <laughs> that came out in the eighties. No. I've seen two. They're actually pretty darn good, and actually a little more a little more interesting per se than the first one. I'll I'll, I'll throw that out there. Check them out. They're probably on Prime. <laughs> I have seen the second one, and I was surprised by how much I I liked it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'll give it. The, I'll definitely give it that. Um, we also actually, before we even get into that, your, your uh, bits and bobs, Jason. We need to talk about this movie. Continues the trend of Powell and Pressburger's e- movies, even though this is mm. only Powell. Uh, the movie's looking beautiful. Oh, so colorful, so so wonderfully beautiful use of Technicolor. Like, yeah, I assume it's Technicolor. I, don't I, th- know. I think it's like Eastman color. Yeah, well, whatever. It's 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 very it, like it, like yeah. They're all their movies are so colorful. Uh, uh, the, anyways, the ones that are in color, certainly. And the ones that are in black and white, they feel like they're colorful. Yeah. yeah I don't think we've seen any other black and white Well, movies. I spoke, well, in, um, the, it's half black and white. In, oh, yeah. Okay. In Matter of Life and Matter Death. Matter of Life yeah. and Death, yeah. I, I do, and even at the beginning, I, I find like there's a there's a cool like heightened reality too because at the beginning when they show the, the full shot of like the city streets. Yes, it that looks beautiful paint- matte painting. Yeah, yeah, it's a matte painting, but they I feel like they're not trying to make you believe it isn't. No. Like, I think it's very obvious that no, it's, it's a matte No, it's painting. clear they're on a set, and that's, like, a really nice matte painting. But, yes, yeah. it does lend a, a weird, ethereal kind of quality to it right out of the gate, which they are certainly familiar with. Mm-hmm. Or, well, they, Powell. Pressburger, too, but he was not here for Just this. Just Powell. And another thing, too, is when we talked about um, the... I think it was when we were talking about the Red Shoes, we kind of talked about the difference between the two directors, how Powell was kind of the wild wild child, and Pressburger kind of reined him in a little yeah. bit. Without Pressburger... If Pressburger was... In this movie to rein him in, I think this movie may have been less interesting. Yeah. Because I think the idea of, the, you know, the POV, that kind of thing where you're with the character, you know, the way he kills his victims. I feel like Pressburger might have been like, easy, Powell. We don't want to lose our careers. Pressburger's David Gilmore, but Powell is Roger Waters. Yeah. Yeah. So think about that. Okay. Bits and okay. bobs. Oh my God, we got some bits and bobs. Random bits shit and bobs. for me. Yeah. And this is everybody. If everybody has any additional little notes, <laughs> yes. please chime in. 
Jump in. Uh, so stuff I haven't talked about yet. Um, I, the line that got me, or one of the lines, is when he's filming that. Uh, I think Millie. He's taking pictures of her for the first time, and she starts telling that story about like, oh, I was out with my boyfriend, and we went down there, and then I saw my fiance, <laughs> and then she's like, uh, can you uh, hide? Can you when you're photographing me? Can you hide the bruises? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, fuck. That, just a snapshot of her horrifying or life. Can, can you fix yeah. it so the bruises don't show? You yeah. Know what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, you guys heard her story like a second before boyfriend. that, right? About how she went out on a date yeah. and <laughs> exactly. it went yeah, badly yeah. It's, it's, with her boyfriend because her fiance caught um, her. Kooky, crazy stuff, babe. Uh, the the dad's footage all. <laughs> oh, hey, hey, guys! I just <laughs> oh, no. I just stopped in to see if you were talking about Bordello of Blood again, babe. No, Dennis. No, no, nobody has ever talked about that movie. Move on, Mr. All Moore. right. I feel like a bull in a china shop run by Esther Phillips, babe. I'm sure you do. Is that who it is? I thought it was Paul Lind. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, you behave as he. I have children. And I'm gone. Goodbye forever. That was was almost Charles Nelson Riley, actually. Yeah. You were kind of in the range of both. They're basically the same. That's not not me. That's just Dennis Miller coming in and doing impressions. (laughs) I I can't stop him. Anyway, he's gone now. Cha cha cha. Okay, there he goes. Uh, the the mm-hmm. it was weird that he showed her that uh, footage of himself as a child. Weird that he showed the uh, Helen. Um, well, it came I, across yeah, as a hell of a thing to do. It on is the first a hell of a date. thing to do, and it comes across as like it, well, it looked like some. I mean, it was some weird European art film, basically. Like, I, I think if his alternative though was to show one of the movies he shot, mm. he probably made the wise choice. Yes, of all the things he had on <laughs> film, yes, that was the best. Um, yeah, of the reels and reels and reels and reels of films, he doesn't have one thing there where it's like, oh yeah, this is me shooting squirrels in a forest, fucking, or I don't know well, anything else. I don't think he would have shot that because there's nothing unless he was like throwing something at the squirrels. <laughs> I mean, well, because he he wants to let her into his world. Mm-hmm. He wants this to end. Yeah. He's being tortured by this. Yeah, and the relief. Yeah. He sort of wants to get caught. Yeah, he, he wants to experience that that relief of being able to share this terrible secret with someone and and feel like he's not alone. And when he does in that climactic scene, I mean, she kind of stumbles into his, you know, workspace, yeah. and one of his films like starts up. And that scene is so great where we just watch her face. Yeah, we it's like Bob Hoskins at the end of The Long Good Friday. It's fucking <laughs> yeah. just holding on her face. Yeah. No, I like that. Oh, it's, it's not Nicolas Cage in 8mm or George C. Scott. Yeah. No, I, I like, I, I agree. I like how we don't actually see what's on the film. Mm. Like we just see her horrified reaction to it. Yeah, just slowly descending from like kind of interesting curiosity slowly to be like, what is this? To just like kind of like, oh my God, to just pure horror. Yeah, and then when he, you know, when he stumbles in and she asks like, you know, this is, it's horrible, but it's just a film, right? It's just a movie. And he says, no, I killed those girls. And it's like, oh boy, oh boy, here we go. (laughs) I know how to pick them. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, another bit in Bob on the set of the movie, we have a, a, a big wig and he's on the phone and he tells his uh, secretary to send him a memo mm. and that, yeah, the memo, yeah, memo, which at, at first I heard it. I thought he said, send me an email. And I thought, wow, this movie really is ahead of its time. 1960. They invented the term email, but then I realized, oh no, it's just British people saying words weird. <laughs> memo. It's not spelt memo. It's spelt memo. That's like whenever I hear, uh, when I heard someone say, uh, I'm going to, that, that's a pretty funny may may. <laughs> I was like, uh, uh, sorry, what? May, May, Jen, A, and Sane. 
I, li- I now like. Watch me whip. <laughs> now watch me, Maymay. I like how uh, I like how he um, he gives her milk when she comes over. Yeah, like he uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mark gives uh, Helen a glass of milk. Of course, later called back on "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia." <laughs> yeah, of course. I assume that's what they were milk referring steak. to. Milk steak. <laughs> I like how he gives that to her, but like he doesn't drink any himself. No. I mean, it's maybe a very obvious, like, symbol, like a metaphor thing, but I just thought that was... It's out of respect for his mother. I, I mean, I assumed it was just because he was Oh, by like, the way, we didn't mention, uh, Helen Helen uh, has her room, his mom's room. Yeah. So that that's not really delved into, but that is a weird moment for him, I imagine. It's, oh. it's not delved yes. into, but guys, I think what I really like is that it, avo- it doesn't do the trope of, like, an evil mother. Mm. It does the evil father mm-hmm. one. Which I think is a less very used one in horror. Very progressive. Just feels like it. Just feels like the mother one is just overdone. Yeah. Well, I also don't think that became a cliche until like after Psycho, yes. which was two months later. Well, that's so. but, but that's a, that, yeah. I mean, they missed fa- out. Fair, fair <laughs> enough. I I do. I thought I did watching it though. I was like, okay, here we go. Where's yeah. the abusive mother coming in? <laughs> I was say, but evil stepmother has been a trope for like oh forever. Yeah, yeah Snow forever, White. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it just it just felt a little different. So Vivian, I want to talk about her for a sec. Yeah, more sure. She's great. She's an extra in this movie. And I don't know what extras made back in the day, but she seems to be in possession of a very nice, and what I have to assume is very expensive, miniature reel-to-reel audio player that (laughs) she carries around with her. She... She's not an extra. She's, she's a stand-in. Oh, stand stand yeah. But even a stand-in can't make that much. I, I mean, think they must make scale. I think a stand-in is like a, a couple rungs above extras, though. Oh, well, yes. Okay, true. But Absolutely, still. yeah. Because yeah. she, she, that means she's the same height, same weight, same dimensions. So, like, she's the one who stands there where they get all the lighting right and all of that. Mm. Well, I guess I must congratulate them for paying her enough to afford this tiny, highly advanced reel-to-reel. I will say... Oh, her, her, her ex-husband, the director, gave it to her. <laughs> I, I will say, though, there is a... So after she dies, there's, like, a radio announcement about her dying. Yeah. And they say, like, oh, you know, she had such potential to make it to the next level. I got a hint of a whiff of bullshit on that. Because, I mean, yes, she's a stand-in. She's not just an extra or anything. But that seems to me like that thing where, like, a famous person dies and someone is like, oh, you know, they were my best friend. I loved them so much. Oh, they were going to be the next big superstar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just Hollywood bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. But Uh, I'm not going to call out like any deaths where that's been the case or where like, oh my God, the greatest actor of our generation. It's like, really? All right, calm down. Yeah. It's like, you know, but but yeah, it's definitely just a, just, you know, speaking good of the dead Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. Yeah. Mm Yeah, it's like it. Yeah, it's like I mean, I've seen. I've definitely seen. I mean, I've definitely seen that in real life. I've seen. You know, I've been to a funeral where someone was there, and uh, I I know for a fact that these people were not friends or on speaking terms. But all of a sudden, you know, they're the voice of yeah. calm. They're oh, some so and so would have wanted it this, mm. and you you feel this like there's a conflicting thing inside you where you're angry, but you're also like this isn't the time. Yeah. This isn't the place. And then you're angrier because yeah. you know that person knows that knows you can't that. get angry. Exactly. And, and they, they also know that it is not the time or the place for what they're doing, but yeah. they're still doing it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, sorry to get personal, guys. Yeah, geez. So, <laughs> they know what they did. I'm talking to you, so, so Rick Moranis. That's why I punched you in the face. So Mother Johnny oh, Walker. Oh, shit, I knew it. <laughs> So, so Mother Johnny Walker offers some advice uh, yeah. or some wisdom, which is she doesn't trust a man who walks quietly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, because he's not walking in a shy way. He's walking like he has something to hide. That's right. And she can hear that. Mm-hmm. That's just part of being blind. Mm-hmm. I mean, she straight up tells him. Part to, of being daredevil. 
<laughs> she straight up tells him not to see her daughter anymore. Yes. And she says, like, you need to go get, like, you know, you just, you need to go seek help. Yeah. And I hope to, you get the help. To be fair. To be fair. <laughs> uh, this is after he almost murders her. Oh, warranted. I'm saying this is 100% warranted. But I'm saying, like, I like the fact that she's not just like, you're crazy. Stay away from my daughter. Yeah. She's like, you need to get help. And I hope you do get the help. But until then, you need to not be around my daughter. Yeah. She even says until then. She yeah. doesn't necessarily say. She leaves it open. Yeah. For a sequel. <laughs> Come back in a few years of happy, and we'll uh, we'll see if uh, you know. How about still you looking right? How about you come see me upstairs sometime? Uh, yeah. Our our old buddy Esmond Knight gets one of the few moments of genuine comedy in this movie. Yeah. When uh, so when the body is discovered of Vivian on the set, uh, the lead actress opens the the case, <laughs> and then she faints, and Esmond Knight throws his arms up in disgust and goes, "The silly bitch fainted in the wrong scene." <laughs> <laughs> There's actually, I think there's like a few moments of like dark, like quirky humor mm. that I thought was, uh, I was surprised by a few times. But that one, that one stood out to me. Uh, the other line that stood out to me was the cop when he's talking about uh, the bodies and looking at them and he goes, I'm familiar with that kind of terror, talking about like certain type of murder. He said, but this is something new to me. Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck. Like, <laughs> like this guy's that kind of cop. He could just see it. He knows that there's something different about this just by seeing the look of terror in their eyes. One one cop also says, I taught I taught a putty tat. Yes, that, and that was nice. That was a fun reference that we all got. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh... Oh, he sneaks onto the film set as they're investigating it, and he almost gets caught because his pens and shit fall out of his pocket. Oh, Mark? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh hi, Mark. Uh, he they, they just dump out and they and then it's like oh I thought I saw a putty tat yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, be yeah, careful. I mean, why does he have like six or seven pens in his? Yeah, we, do we see him write all that often? Well, I mean, I think if he's a focus puller, that does kind of make sense. Suppose, honestly, yeah, well, wouldn't you need like chalk? Yeah. That's how you get people's attention. If you're going to pull their focus, you have to throw pens yeah. at them. Hey, yeah. <laughs> hey, dummy! Eyes forward. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Eyes forward. <laughs> and also for a movie called Peeping Tom, he doesn't really peep on too many like people other than people he's going to murder. Like like he, there, there's a couple times we see him. We see him uh, an old footage of him staring at a couple making out, and then when they're walking down the street on the date, uh, uh, he kind of gets distracted by a couple making out, and they see him and slowly move away. <laughs> I I love when he goes yeah. on the date with Helen. When Mark yeah. goes on the date with Helen, because Helen uh tells him you know you don't have to take your camera ev- everywhere and he's he, very reticent about leaving it he is but he eventually gives in yes. and leaves it but then we see them kind of leaving he sees a couple making out who he would normally just grab his camera and start filming and he even makes that motion yeah uh, yeah he's like reaching mm-hmm. for it yeah. yeah and then we see them like very briefly eating we don't hear dialogue and then that's the, and then we go back to the end and i'm like i love how we don't actually see what happened on that date yeah <laughs> yeah exactly no, there is oh. one more scene that you missed in there that i actually really enjoyed uh, they're walking by and there's sort of like a low window and there's like an old lady. Like, yes. was she taking her stockings off or yeah. putting them on? Yeah, I think she was taking them off or whatever. And, and Helen stops and yeah. stares. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, then yeah, he she, grabs her and he yeah, pulls he's kind of like pulling her away like, oh, that's rude or whatever. And it's like, oh, the tables have turned. Yeah, maybe was, they are made for each other. <laughs> he also like, hit, he, they don't like, again, this is sort of like a montage thing. They don't say anything. The look on his face changes when he's with her and it's a really subtle oh, yeah. like, mm. He's hu- like more of a human when he's with her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that's what I'm wondering is is the implication, uh, at least that I get from this scene, is the implication that that when he takes that camera off, that is the the spiritual like devil that or the monkey that's on his shoulder. Like by taking that camera off, he is all of a sudden a little bit happier and more open, and he seems to have a good time while they're out. 
And when he gets oh, the yeah. camera that his father gave yeah. him to carry yeah, out exactly. the legacy, exactly. The, 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 well, by leaving it, 60... I was gonna say just by leaving it, it's like that. It's a literal and and metaphysical weight off his shoulders, and he's a little freer for that time. But he's compelled still to get back to it because when he gets back, he gives Helen a kiss. She gives him the camera back, and then he he has a little makeout with the camera. He kisses the camera lens. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and now sixty years later, basically very prescient, where it's like, hey, put down the goddamn cell phone yeah. for a goddamn hour or two and, you know, enjoy the people around you. Be it's, present, Mark. No. It's, Not you, babe. No. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> oh, thank God. It's crazy how how this, like, how well this holds up. Like, you keep mentioning people on their phones all the time and, and I never even thought about it while watching the movie, but yeah, that's totally it. Like, it's just, it's so of the now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, next bit in Bob here. Why, why does she, the mom, have a point on the end of her cane? Hmm. I mean, I guess maybe it gets icy in winter uh, there, does it, in, in London? or where Self-defense? Self-defense? Yes, yeah, so they gave her mace earlier. That just ended up being a shit show. <laughs> well, it's, it's not like my eyesight's going to get any worse. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> she kept spraying herself like, oh, fuck, I thought it was the other way. Oh, wait, ah. wait, do you think that's how she, she went blind? Yeah, that's it. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> the surgery to remove the mace went wrong. As long as I can make sure this cane, the pointy end is out, right? <laughs> right, lady. Now, uh, just do that and I won't take your purse. Oh, um, and, and one, one more thing. Uh, he at one point says, do you know what the most frightening thing is? Fear. And I, I always knew he was an FDR man. <laughs> Although that technically FDR says we have nothing, oh, yeah, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. So he's right. That's the one thing to fear, and he, he agrees that it's the most frightening thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, and I think that's also like I, I think that's true in a way too, right? It's like the, the scariest thing is how scary you think it's going to be. Yeah. No matter what, and, and especially where that reveal, like we talked about earlier, that reveal where he turns, we see the other side of the camera, and there's that fucking mirror mm. that you can see yourself in as you're dying. Like that's fucked up. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's pretty much what I got there. All right. Well, I'm gonna get into some of the uh, the shit that happens when this movie comes out. Do you guys have anything to add before we continue? We'll get we'll do our final thoughts uh, later. But um, the only question I had is with, with the final reveal thing is like, wait, is the mirror just hypnotic? Like people are so vain they're just staring at themselves <laughs> in the mirror, like ah, 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 instead of like I don't know, gently pushing the thing to the left and running away. <laughs> I, I bet you it was novel. Back in the '60s, there weren't as many mirrors, so it was like they were. Oh, it was an yeah, opportunity yeah. as well as a terrifying death. I mean, it was the great. Oh, that one kind of looks like me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, everyone had their like, you know, their their tariffs, right? Yeah. Or their, you know, what are they? What are they called? Their their war rations. Yeah. Um, and you had oh, your mirror okay. rations too. <laughs> That's right. That's right. They were still on mirror rations by 1960. Everything else was off rations, but mirrors were all rationed. Yeah, that's like that's why that Kiefer Sutherland uh, movie is such a it's such a wasteful film. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, I'm talking about Flatliners. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, same. <laughs> uh, but let's talk. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about. Uh, this movie coming out because I mean we touched on it already. It was not received well, uh, but basically. The depiction of violence and sexual content made this movie a very controversial film on its initial release. And the uh, the critical backlash basically um, not ended Powell's career because Powell did make a few movies after this. Mm. I was always under the impression this was his last movie. That is not the case. This was definitely his last big movie, though. So everything after this was kind of under the radar and critics were like, eh, it's fine. You know, it's whatever. He, he never made a profitable film after this. Um the main actor, uh, Carl Bohm, 
he remembered that after the movie's premiere, it, it was customary at a film premiere for everyone to, uh, you know, a, a lot of people in the audience to come and, you know, s- greet the director, shake his hand, say, oh, thank you for the show. Nobody went up to Michael Powell. Not a single oh. fucking solitary soul. Were they that intimidated by him? No, they just did not care for the oh. film. Oh, wow. Yeah. Damn. Um, his body odor was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Pressburger did. Pressburger always sprayed the deodorant on. British reviews, um. some of these British reviews were so hyperbolic that one critic said, the one critic compared Michael Powell to the Marquis de Sade. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and that inspired the Keanu Reeves film, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> the Watcher. The Watcher. Well, a movie that he contractually had to be in and wasn't happy with, but did it anyway because he's a nice guy. That's right. <laughs> Um, these are some of the, just some of the quotes from some of the critics at the time. You'll see how nasty these are. So this guy, Derek Hill, uh, reviewer for the Tribune said the only really satisfactory way to dispose of peeping Tom would be to shovel it up and flush it swiftly down the nearest sewer. Uh, Len Mosley for the daily express said the movie was more nauseating and depressing than the leper colonies of East Pakistan. These people are Homer Simpson. The back streets of Bombay and the gutters of Calcutta. (laughs) Caroline Lejeune of The Observer said, It's a long time since a film disgusted me as much as Peeping Tom, ultimately saying it was a beastly film. (laughs) Jesus. But guys, Martin Martin Scorsese came in and saved the day in 1978. uh, he, uh, he He sold the color print. He had another color print. Uh, to a small distribution company in New York and was able to, you know, get some people to watch it. Again, it didn't really get played for audiences until 1999 in the U.S. Uh, and and uh, critics kind of rediscovered it. And, I mean, right now you look at Rotten Tomatoes, it has like a 96%. So it's pretty much That's universally... Yeah, yeah, it's universally loved. It's critically acclaimed. It's just criminally underseen. Well, it, I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, you know horror movies in a lot of way are that way where the thing was absolutely panned when it came out. And now it's like top 10 horror movies of all time. Really? I don't think there's been a John Carpenter movie that didn't start out as panned, but well, I mean, Halloween at least made money. Yeah. But but isn't that that, (laughs) also maybe reflective of the long, long bias against horror films from the mainstream film press too? It's definitely, it's definitely gotten better, Mm -hmm. but certainly in those days it was, it was tough. Yeah. Like, it was real tough, especially when, you know, in 1960, they're challenging the censor on a lot of things. I mean, we're not far, we're less than 10 years from Easy Rider. Yeah. We're less than 10 years from movies saying fuck. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Mash, baby. <laughs> yeah. Well, Matt. Yeah, yeah, was it like Plan 9 came out like two years before this? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that pushed the boundaries. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Of, of a film, what a film technically is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, but yeah, no, I mean, we're right on the brink of, like, a major change in Hollywood. And I think Peeping Tom is, like, the ultimate description of, like, a movie that was, you know, uh, ahead of its time, but, like, fatally. Like, yeah. it was bad that it was ahead of its time. No one, yeah, exactly, yeah. that no one knows about it, unfortunately, except for the BFI and us and now Stephen Izzy. Although, well, Stephen Izzy already knew about they, it. They yeah. knew. They knew. That's right. Go check it out on Amazon Prime, currently streaming for free. And so it, that's the thing. Like we're talking about how, like, oh my god, nobody's seen this movie. And and in general, yes. If you ask, if you just did Man on the Street and ask people, have you heard of Peeping Tom? Ninety percent of people are going to say no. My, well, my mom might have seen it, but like, I don't uh, think Steve's mom's seen it. No, no. Um, but film people, I think, have seen this. Yeah. 
I th- like. I think the people listening to the show, the majority of them are going to have seen it. I hope so. I'd like to know what the release history of it was. Was it available on like an old VHS? Did they put it out on DVD? Because if 1999 was kind of when it came yeah, back. Yeah, 1999, I would think DVD. 1999, yeah. it was a theatrical release, actually. Oh. They, they, they did do a theatrical run, and then I'm assuming they did it. Well, I mean, now, guys, uh, in Canada, you mentioned it's on Prime in the States, but we don't. I don't usually like you know throw out the streaming services names uh, to recommend or anything, but I think people should watch this. So I'll say if you're in Canada, you could also watch this, and I'm assuming in the United States as well, you could also watch it on the Criterion channel. They are mm. streaming that uh, Peeping Tom right now all this month. And like all like 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 all Criterion uh, releases, it looks absolutely stunning. It's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious, but let's start out with our guest, uh, Stephen Izzy. This is number 78 on the list. Um, what do you think? Better Low. than Dr. Zhivago. <laughs> yeah, say. Agreed. I don't, I, I've listened to your podcast for a while here on the uh, British Film Institute. I would think it would be in the top 20 on my list. Dare say Steve was subscribing before you guys had even dropped an episode. <laughs> yeah. Hardcore. I, I mean, what, where's English Patient on the list? Mm, uh, too high, wherever far it is. Too high, far well, too it's high. too high if it's number 100. Let's just say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah say isn't it like 94 or something? Oh, like no, it's that? in the yeah. 50s, man. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I I I love Peeping Tom. You guys should all check it out if you haven't already. Yeah, absolutely. Izzy, are you uh, in agreement there? Absolutely. Check it out. This movie's great. Hey, uh, Brendan. Quick question: What's number seventy-eight on the AFI so that we can compare one to the other? Well, we don't find that out in this episode. Steve. I'm willing to let them uh, let, let them skip ahead for that one if you want to uh, <gasps> bring them into our little uh, moment all right, here. All right, all right, all right. And when we do this, we'll we'll refer back to this episode to okay. be like, we already did it, assholes. <laughs> that's, that's how we open each show. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's take a look. Fuck here. you for no, no, listening. No, 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 no it's it's. It's the British Film Institute. Yeah. You gotta say cunts. That's right. You, you cunts listen to us. Who do you think you are? Uh, number 78 <laughs> on the American Film Institute is the Charlie Chaplin film Modern Times. Ooh. Ooh. That's a great movie, actually. I don't think I've seen yeah, Modern say, Times. Yeah, I'm trying to remember which one that's, that is. That's the I've one only seen like two or three. That's where he goes through the gears, right? That's where he goes through all the gears and the clock. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's a good one. That's a, that's a big takedown of like the, you know, uh, corporate, corporate bosses and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Up with unions, as they say. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that, that's basically like comparing basketball to Congo. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, they're both great, but the greatest I mean, is one greater than time. the other, really. How can you even compare? They're not yeah. even the same yeah, kind of movie. It's comparing sports movies to talking ape action movies. So. <laughs> yeah, it'd be like comparing King Arthur to King Arthur Legend of the Sword. That's right. Yeah, I could put both of them in the sewer. <laughs> That's right. Excalibur is the only movie that matters. Fuck yeah. yeah. See, and I thought, stone, I thought Brendan appreciated British film, but obviously he is underqualified for this podcast. I mean, King Arthur and Sherlock Holmes, basically the two most popular British characters not named James Bond. Yeah, 85% yeah. of Guy Ritchie's movies I do like, so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, and, and Jason, number 78, what do you, what do you think? I think this probably should be bumped up a bit. I was really surprised at how much I liked it because I'm not usually a big horror guy. And Blow Up, I did not like as much as Blow Out. Mm-hmm. And, and I got that Blow Up vibe pretty early on. But yeah, no, this movie is fantastic and is ahead of its time. And it absolutely should be seen by anybody who is a fan of like kind of psychological thriller, horror, that sort of genre. I mean, it, it, it holds up in 2020 in a way that... It, I mean, mo- a lot of movies we watched hold up, but this one really is fucking solid. It's prescient, like like you guys yeah. were saying. It's Yeah. Yeah, so uh, uh, show this to all your children. 
Every day. Yeah. And uh, Before uh, breakfast. And then document uh, their reactions no. and their fear. No, I don't exactly. th- I think you got the wrong... Put them on Twitch. Put wait, on wait, Twitch, wait. Yeah. Wait, guys, I think you got the wrong message from this movie. <laughs> no, I think we, it's telling us this is how to live our lives. <laughs> guys, when's the remake of Peeping Tom coming out where it's just called Today? <laughs> no, no. The it's remi- just called Twitter. The remake of Peeping Tom yeah. is going to be a prequel to Back to the Future starring George McFly. <laughs> And that's how he got to where he was. That's how he got to okay. that tree where he fell into the street. Okay, so when I was watching this, the uh, the the guy that lived downstairs, the like guy that was trying to hit on yes. uh, Helen or whatever, anybody else totally think like, oh, that's Crispin Glover in like 1986. Absolutely. <laughs> now that you okay. mentioned it, absolutely, yes. There, there was another thing too. That we talked about before, I think we talked about... I don't. I can't even specifically point out a mo- the movie that it was, but there's a lot of times where J- you, especially Jason, you'll say, "Oh, this line was said," and then I thought this was going to happen, but thankfully it didn't. You yeah. know, you thought something more disturbing yes, was going to yes, happen. Absolutely. There is a moment in this movie for me uh, where um, uh, Helen's mother is like, he's taking her over to the stairs, and she says, "Oh, these stairs are almost the most difficult thing." Yeah. I thought he was going to shove her down the <laughs> yeah. stairs. Oh, oh absolutely. Right? Yeah. I was like, "Holy Let's shit, see, are we going here?" That drama. It's like throwing that little red herring out there just to be like, oh, this is the opportunity, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- that wasn't his MO, was it? He wasn't a guy that just no. randomly killed people. He had a very specific ritual that he would go through. And maybe this is another hot, maybe this is a hot take here. I mean, we kind of all said that this is better than Psycho, right? I think we're all in agreement. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I would say that he's a more interesting character than Norman Bates. Mm. Oh, yeah. Norman Bates ain't shit. Like, Norman Bates is. is like he's fine. Like yeah. it's fine. It's a fine. Like you know, it's an interesting character. But I think this is. It's so many more layers. Well, and- I wonder if because it was more broad and and more simplified, maybe in comparison, that's part of why it did better at the box office. That people were more willing to accept that. And then if you if you were a person that watched Psycho, wanted something more, and then you saw Peeping Tom, you'd be like, oh shit, this is the next level. Yeah. <laughs> Not- Peeping Tom well- is, is like the male Sybil. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, and if you want a Norman Bates that's more like this character, watch Psycho 2, you know, 25 years later yeah. after he's been rehabilitated and everybody's still like, well, you're just a murderer and blah, blah. He's like, no, I'm trying to be a good guy. And, you know, that whole battle going on. And then Psycho 3, yeah. where and they then, give up all the fucks. Right. Well, and, then, and then Psycho 4? I believe. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's a Psycho Four. Oh, I haven't yeah. seen it. Well, not not and not to sound like snooty or anything, but I think honestly, it's the British and American difference is the, is why one is so much more overt than the other. Like I think I think just in general, these movies tend to be more subtle. Yeah. Yeah. The the the, yeah. the British like them a little subtler, and it's yeah. also because they're a more restrained people, and 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 outbursts of emotion are uncouth. Yeah. So I will join. I will join the 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 uh, the battle party here. The chorus. Uh, the chorus, and I will say yes. It is a very good movie, and I'm very glad we watched it. And I do think seventy eight is kind of way too far down the list. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's three horror movies. Like, keep them all on. <laughs> Add more horror. This is ridiculous. What are we doing here? Um, but yeah, so I think, I think yeah, I think we're all in agreement. So, Stephen Izzy, before we go any further, you guys have a podcast. We do. Wait, we do? Yeah, we do, babe. Uh, it's oh, called okay. Everything I Learned from Movies, and it's uh, basically on all the podcatchers. If you just look it up, Everything I Learned from Movies, or hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at E I L F Movies. That's Everything, Everything I, I Learned from, from Movies. movies. Uh, my lovely wife here also has an art page. I do. If you like movie movie monsters who love kittens, all kinds of fun fan art, and all kinds of original art, check out Untidy Venus. That's a goddess who's bad at housekeeping. 
And that's at uh, untidyvenus.etsy.com for the show? Yep, and Untidy Venus on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, all of that. There you go. I can vouch for that because I am awaiting my terrible dog puns, uh, 8.5 by 11. I'm very excited. And it's coming! But it's coming from America to Canada, so... Two days! It'll be there before Christmas. Of 2021. It'll be there when this Rona's over. You Wait, know what? what? Listen, if there's mail, listen, listen, listen. I'm just gonna say this: if there's mail-in ballots that need to go out before my uh, poster, that is totally fine. You get those <laughs> mail-in ballots in America. But it's such That's a corrupt. But it's such a corrupt vote. system, Brendan, of ballots mailing. Okay, so the mail, anyway, the mail is, is oh, not, no. is not <laughs> secure. Nope. Jason has been <laughs> escorted from the premises. Uh, don't worry, I'll take care of you. Thanks, Daddy. Oh, dear God. Ugh, so many revelations. <laughs> Don't like that shit. Don't like that shit. It makes shit so much bit. sense. Wait. I've said it before and I'll say it again. The fucked up thing is his mom is a McLeod and I'm a McLeod. So there could be a connection there somewhere in the past. From the clan McLeod? Yeah, that's right. Uh, you, know, you know Connor, you know Duncan, but now you know Jason. Wait, wait, wait. Does that mean if you chop off his head, you, uh, you get his powers? No, I've tried it. It's not true. No, you just kill me. And you and haven't Freddy. tried it on. You haven't tried it on him yet. No, I have. I've tried it. We've. I've gone through so many Jasons. There's been a lot of heads. There's been a lot of heads. <laughs> a lot of heads. Oh no, I meant Trump. Cut off oh. Trump. Tra- tra- Trump's head and the and and then the McClouds get the power. Oh, right? oh, yeah, no, obviously I'm working on that. But, I mean, but don't we, tell anyone. I mean, we should try that just just for funsies. It has to be I safe. Mean, <laughs> I was I, I was hoping the coronavirus. Oh no, I've his only took off, on but... his crippling debt. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me just state for the for legal reasons, I'm not advocating it. But no. if somebody did it, I would like to see the results. It would be it would be an interesting. If situation. a McCloud happened to, <laughs> I would be. I'm interested. not pro beheading videos, but uh, you know, if somebody happened to have a camera. A peeping Tom of sorts, you might say. Oh, I'm just boy. saying, it wouldn't be out of place on Rotten.com. <laughs> Which is now defunct. Oh, is it? Oh, it finally. Is. Thank I God. Checked, <laughs> I checked the other yeah, day. just put it on Vine. There you go. <laughs> yeah, but no, the yeah. ultimate insult. Put it on TikTok. <laughs> do you guys get tiktok <laughs> we do do we still get tiktok i'm sure we do so anyway jason this is where we would normally roll the dice but next week we are start we are going back to our very special segment called and now for something completely similar that's right we're going to talk about some movies that are remakes side quests sequels um, treasure chests that you find in the fourth room on the left in the castle absolutely um uh, uh, Dark Souls. Yeah, sure, whatever that yeah. is. <laughs> I'm sorry, Princess Peach is in another castle. <laughs> That's right. No! So we're going to talk about, so the first one we're going to talk about next week is the 2004 remake of a Michael Caine film that we talked about called Alfie. Oh. Starring Mr. Jude, Jude Law. Jude Law. Jude Law. Hey, Jude. But yeah, guys, thanks again. Once again, thanks for coming. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks for having us. Oh, thank you so much for having us. It's always yeah, a joy. Be on for a legitimate movie. Yeah, yeah. right? Pretty great. <laughs> and a couple more uh, that we were talking about, so stay tuned. Yeah. Woo! We're going we're gonna to get them in on when we do the uh, five-hour TV remake of The English Patient. Yeah. <laughs> Carry on up the Kyber. <laughs> <laughs> um, but until next week, Jason, so we're going to talk about Alfie, of course, 2004 next week. But until then, they can find us on Facebook. Just search for For Screen. And country. You can find us on Twitter at BFI underscore pod. You can find Jason on Twitter. You can find me on Twitter at Jason D. McLeod. But I'm going to add a different plug this week. If you want, you can find me on Steam. I'm Comrade Doctor. That's Comrade with a K, Doctor with a K. Look me up if you want to game. We probably won't game, but maybe we will. 
It's mostly just nude pictures through a fence. That's fine. That you'll find on there. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, that's 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 the kind of uh, thing I'm working with. So yeah. it's it's for the fans. Steam, and I'll and I'll then I'll I'll send you my my secret OnlyFans link. Oh, sick! You better be using that to raise money for the show. So. Yeah, well, I mean, we'll see. I mean, what do you think bought the whiskey that we're drinking? All right. All right. <laughs> Um, but it's, uh, I, I'd also like to talk about another podcast we're starting up called For Scream and Country Time, where we yeah. go through the Bear Film Institute Top 100. Uh, you can find us at BFI underscore pod. <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> That's the same Twitter handle. You're stealing our Twitter. And <laughs> I'd get away with this. <laughs> but that that's that's pod with two d's wait steve i think you have a big conundrum now because you gotta you gotta think about whether you want to do bear movies or the badass film institute mm. i know i know but bear badass, movies are imp- badass they imply so. badassery yeah anywho um <laughs> jason i just got one thing to say to you oh, and what would that be god save the queen god save the screen and for screen and country i'm brendan and i'm jason And I'm Steve. And I'm Izzy. Good night and good luck. And don't fuck it up. Sunday afternoon, there's something special. It's just like another world. Jogging in the park is my excuse to look at all the little girls. I'm not... A flasher in a raincoat I'm not a dirty old man I'm not gonna snatch you from your mother I'm an art lover Come to daddy Come to daddy Come to daddy legs I want to draw them like a Degas ballerina pure white skin like porcelain she's a work of art